What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back everybody for another episode of A Running Thought Podcast. Coming to you from the top of a volcano in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I swear I can never get that right. I'm not on the top of a volcano. I am in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, sort of on a volcano, kind of. Uh, Anyways, um, welcome back. It's been, I don't know, like a week or two. I'm sitting here. It's raining outside. Um, I just finished up a little term paper, a little final paper um, for this semester. Uh, My dog is in the background, and he's exceptionally gassy today, and he's making all kinds of little snorting noises because I guess he's tired and um, can't get comfortable. So if you hear something grunting um, or if you smell something funky, that's probably my uh, puppy dog. Anyways, um, I had a conversation with uh, somebody yesterday and it made me think I need to to uh, do an episode and talk about this, but um, this person came to me with a question. I'm not going to say who they were uh, or my relationship to them, but uh, this person came to me and um, a mysterious person from my past. Uh, (laughs) Not really, but uh, this person came to me and asked me um, just a general question about um, sort of the, the pattern to follow when getting into a running routine. And this was kind of like a multi-part question um, because this person's also dealing with uh, some injuries. I won't get specific, but, um, you know, injuries to the the joints in their leg, uh, we'll say. Um, And so I want to get into that uh, just... I'll preface any advice that I'll ever give with with this. I don't ever want to give advice that's going to hurt somebody. And um, to sort of paraphrase Jocko Willink, you can't just believe in yourself um, and then go to gym class and use your belief in self to make it up the rope, you know, to the top and ring the bell in gym class. Um, believing in yourself will get you so far but uh, you have to actually be physically able to, to do things. And so when I do give advice on this podcast, um, please don't just go out and think because I told you that you should be able to, you know, run a certain distance or do a certain thing. Um, and you maybe have a, uh, a catastrophic leg injury or or something in your past, or you've had, you know, ACL surgeries or multiple, uh, torn, um, meniscus or, or something like bear in mind, I'm speaking from my experience. And I, besides a couple of, um, knee injuries and, um, dealing with ITBS in my past, um, I generally don't have, uh, anything major, like I've not had major surgeries on my, my leg or anything. So, um, when I give advice, I'm giving it out of a, based off my experience. So, um, results may vary. And so just keep that in mind, like know your, your body and don't run out and, uh, 
do anything without consulting a physician, um, which I am not, um, or a professional uh, sports medicine therapist or physical therapist or kinesiologist or somebody that's got credentials and um, a great insurance plan uh, that can cover them in case you decide to to you know bring a lawsuit against them I you know just don't take my advice as a as that of a trained professional I'm just giving uh, based off my experience uh, that said uh, I wanted to talk about that. I'm going to save that for a little bit later because uh, another thing I wanted to get into um, last episode was kind of also based off of input that I received off of Reddit from from somebody. They were asking about the humidity in Hawaii and how to kind of deal with a tropical climate. And so I offered some suggestions um, on that and then... um, I have not had a chance to do another podcast because I've been so busy with school and then um, starting uh, starting up at a new job and then having to learn the, the ropes there uh, pretty fast. Um, so my bandwidth's been extremely limited and you'll probably notice if you follow uh, my Strava feed, um, I'm sure that not that many people follow by Westrava feed, but if you do, you'll notice that it's been kind of a Spartan lately, uh, and not in the good way. Not that I've been running Spartan races, but there's just been very few activities because I've been so busy. I've had to kind of take the, I've had to pick, you know, run or, you know, not meet a deadline or not, uh, get other stuff done uh, that needs to be done in my life. So anyways, uh, sorry, I always talk about me. I'm so selfish, but, um, but yeah, so I, I had given, I had done that episode based off of input from, uh, somebody and that went really well. And so I talked about running in humidity and then immediately went out the day after I recorded that episode I went to Volcano National Park and um, was running up there, and I had so much fun being back. I hadn't been for a little while because I was uh, unemployed, and uh, some knuckleheads broke into my truck and stole a bunch of stuff, and among those things that were stolen um, was my National Park Pass, and so... Those things cost $55 to replace, um, and I think it's like $25 just to get in the the gate, Um, and so I didn't have enough money, being honest. I didn't have the disposable income to get another park pass, and uh, I didn't really want to burn up the gas to to drive 30 minutes up there and then 30 minutes back. Uh, I love it in volcano I love to run up there but you know when you're when you're on a budget it's not exactly um cost effective to to run back and forth up there but um now that I'm now I'm hap- happy to be um back working and um I've got a little more disposable income so I'm able to to not dispose of it, but to to um, be a good steward and use it wisely. And one of the things that um, 
I did wisely was purchase another uh, park pass. And so I was sorry. Again, I made this a whole uh, dialogue about about me, um, but was able to get back into the uh, national park and um, run up there. And one of the things that I had forgotten um, was how nice it is to run at, at, you know, to, what is the elevation up there? I believe it's, it's anywhere from two to 4,000 feet, I believe. I think that's a accurate range. Uh, but you wouldn't believe how much um, less humid and um, almost, I guess you could quote unquote, colder uh, it is up there. I think technically it's colder, but it's like Hawaii cold. So, you know, it's in the 60s still. Um, I think that uh, people in Chicago or um, Missouri, is it Missouri that's cold? I think so. Yeah. People in Colorado may take exception to me calling uh, 60 something degrees cold but um i digress that's another way that i forgot about that um i felt like i needed to tack on and uh, let people know that if you are too hot running down by the uh the seashore uh you can go to the national park and most places that you'll park your car in there you probably won't get broken into uh probably you may still, but you probably won't. I've had pretty good luck there. Um, knock on wood. Um, but it's a relatively safe place in from the perspective of there's not a lot of um, raging maniacs with um, hunting knives that are going to jump out and try to grab you there. Um Results may vary anywhere else on the island. By and large, you won't run into that, but there's always room for a little crazy. Um, And hopefully one of these days I'll get um, somebody on the podcast who actually had a sort of a... I'm being dramatic. I'm intentionally over-dramatizing this or maybe under-dramatizing. I don't know. But had a near-death experience uh, on one of the... The trails around the island so i'll wait and let her explain that um when she's able to to come on the podcast if she ever uh, will come on the podcast but anyways um yeah so the volcanoes national park it's nice and uh, cool matter of fact i could have probably used a long sleeve shirt when I was up there and I don't even run in a shirt when I do my daily runs, but I definitely had on, um, my, um, Hawaii running lab, <clears throat> sorry, new balance, uh, whatever it is. It's not microfiber. What's the, what's the word, uh, synthetic, uh, whatever, uh, super comfortable worn in. Uh, it used to be white. Now it is, um, all shades of mud, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's been used. Um, but I've got, I think I got like four of those shirts and that's, you know, my go-to if I'm going around and I grab one of those. Um, but yeah, so it was nice, super nice. So nice that, um, even though I hadn't been running every single day, um, 
I had for my weekly goal, which is kind of a pathetic weekly goal, I I think I was down like 10 miles. And so I just made up the 10 miles. I hadn't intended on doing like six, but I went ahead and just made up the 10 miles because it felt so good to be up there running. And um, I turned around and went back um, the following weekend, I believe. Uh, and then I'm going to go again, uh, probably this weekend, maybe make it like a weekly thing. I used to go almost every day, but here I am talking about myself again. No one cares, but yeah, so that's another option if you're out there and, um, you're just finding it unbearable to, to run, um, at sea level because of the humidity, um, and then, of course, you get some elevation training too, right? It's not super duper high, but, you know, it's higher than sea level, right? Um, and you can get the same, you can get similar weather if you go over to Mount Achaia and run um, Mount Road. Now, um, asterisk, disclaimer, if it's a hot day and there's no cloud cover, you may get um, fried running Mount Road. It just really depends on the weather, but there's a good chance it'll be uh, temperate, cool um, on Mount Road, but you'll just have to check the weather and uh, again, use your, your discretion. All right, so that's out of the way. Um, but yeah, if you couldn't tell, I really like the uh, National Park. Um, I have not been back to Beach Road since ever. I don't think I've run back down there. Pretty sure I'd, I have not. Not the stretch from Hawaiian beaches down to the uh, lava flow, except for the the mushroom, the mushroom day where we were looking for mushrooms. That wasn't even really a run. I just hopped out of the jeep for a minute. Um, but yeah, I haven't been back down there and I probably won't go back down there for a while. And if you're listening, I don't recommend that you necessarily go down there right now. Um, I guess every problem contains its own solution. And so eventually it will sort itself out. Um, there's all kinds of missing people posters on the trees down in that area. Um, and I, I don't know them personally, but, um, somebody explained to me that, uh, you know, some of those missing people got, probably got into, um, the wrong crowd and then, uh, you know, bad things happen. Um. I don't have any insider knowledge or, or anything uh, about anybody that's on those posters, but there's an awful lot of them. It seems like there's one that goes up uh, every every month almost, every other month. And so there's no telling what, what's, what's happening. And, of course, you know, my, my heart goes out to the families. And, um, you know, when I say these things, I don't – I'm not saying it and – like, uh, or I'm not trying to be insensitive or whatever, but it's just a fact, like there's people missing and 
they've got signs posted all down there. And then, you know, the thing with my truck, um, you can't be scared to do things in life, but you also can't be stupid. And so when the writing's on the wall and, um, you know, it seems like there's danger in a place, maybe it's a good idea just not to hang out there for a little bit. So if you're, if you're trying to run or you're trying to go to mermaid ponds or, um, if you're trying to park your car anywhere along that road, my suggestion is don't do it. But, um, you know, again, you do what you need to do. Uh, there's plenty of nice people down in that area. And so I say these things with, uh, all due respect to, uh, the good citizens of Hawaiian beaches and all down beach road. There's just a few knuckleheads that are messing it up. So like I say, every problem usually contains its own solution. So it'll sort itself out eventually. But, um, but yeah, so I haven't been down there and, uh, I have been to some other haunts. Um, we are on a big island, and it's big, but there's only so many places that um, I can go to run. And so um, I've been running along uh, Bayfront. And one thing about Bayfront that is really... Um, let me choose my words carefully. Uh, one thing about Bayfront that's really... It's not really shocking, but it is kind of, um, it's sad, I guess, in a way, uh, tragic, but there's a lot more cars that are showing up, and I think I mentioned this on other episodes, but there's a lot more cars that are showing up, and it, from the looks of it, they're trying to stay there permanently, um, and so that makes my heart sink, because I know with the current situation, uh, the economy being what it is and then um, everything being compounded because in Hawaii it seems like uh, job opportunities and um, income are limited even further uh, than they would be on mainland. Um, it's sad to know that possibly all, all those cars that I'm seeing are in a situation where that's, you know, that's where they live now. Um is out of those vehicles. And so that's, that's one thing that's happening that is, um, kind of, you know, I'm not going to say it's bad. It just, it is what it is. Um, but it's, uh, tragic and it definitely, you know, my heart goes out to, to everybody that's struggling right now, but there's more and more cars that are showing up, um, parked down by Bayfront. It seems like there's, uh, a few more kind of um, characters. We'll just say characters. We'll be nice about it. But they're hanging out around that area. And by all means, you know, everybody's got the right to, to hang out where they where they want to hang out. But um, it seems like there's craziness going on. Um, and I generally try to steer clear of craziness when I'm out with nothing but a pair of shoes and shorts on, you know? Um, no way to, to defend myself or get out of a situation or call for help. I generally try to steer away from craziness. So um, there's kind of the um, 
questionable looking folks or questionable acting folks. I don't really care what you look like too much, but um, questionable acting folks. And there's no real sensitive way to say this, but I was out yesterday in Bayfront and I kid you not, like that whole area out there just reeks of uh, urine, like the whole area. And I mean, like the wind was blowing. It wasn't like a, you know, the air wasn't still. And uh, this was out in the open, like just the whole area just reeked of uh, urine. It was terrible. Um, and so this isn't really an opinion podcast, but I've seen a lot of people asking around um, on Reddit about traveling to Hawaii for vacation and you know, I try not to put my two cents in too much, but I have, you know, cautioned a couple of um, people that posted, you know, maybe they should wait. And um, that's why. I just don't think that people coming to the the big island, at least, are going to have a, as pleasant of an experience as they would um as they would have had, you know, a year ago or, um, as they maybe will have, um, six to 12 months from now, you know, who knows, it could be totally, a uh, different place, especially if the vaccines and everything are effective, but, um, and able to get distributed, um, in a pretty quick manner. Uh, to everybody that needs them but you know again that's all conjecture and I don't really know what that's what's going to happen there and I can't uh, this podcast isn't really meant to support that kind of conversation I'll let the experts be experts but I'm just saying like it I used to go down to Bayfront and you know you get like that fishy smell but that's to be expected you know i I'm okay with smelling fish and a little bit of salt in the air and um but the whole place like just reeking of um urine and it just wasn't nice and just I don't know maybe I'm being uh too um discriminatory or whatever not trying to be I think everybody's got a right to to be there and I know some people maybe don't have another place that they can be. And so, um, again, I don't want to be insensitive, but that's another local haunt that I'm kind of, eh, I'm kind of ho-hum about, um, making a trip out to do Bayfront right now again. Um, and so, yeah, so that basically leaves Volcano because they took away, um, the watershed area supposedly I heard from a friend that if you've got a hunting license you can technically be on that property if you're in uh, if you're in a hunt right so really all you need is your hunting license and uh, presumably some kind of hunting implement that is um, prescribed by (laughs) you know legal to to hunt with uh, whatever game is up in that area. Hogs, I guess. But yeah, technically, according to my source, uh, 
you are allowed to be up there if you've got those things. But again, I would double check with uh, DLNR. And that's really not going to help you or me or anybody if they're just running. Because um, obviously I'm not going to carry around a slingshot or whatever and my hunting license uh, while I'm running up there. And I really, I'm hesitant to go up there if that's what's going on. If it's like, there was hunters up there before, um, but I mean, if now it's locked down and people aren't really expecting to see anybody else, I don't want to be, you know, necessarily popping up over a hill um, with a bunch of hunters or hunting dogs, you know, right up the trail and then risking um, whatever might happen uh, because I'm looking a lot like a hog or whatever popping up over the hill. Anyways, uh, so yeah, kind of a diminished state of, of, um, places to run. I still am able to go to beach road between, um, HPP and Hawaiian beaches. I, I don't feel too um, hesitant about parking down at uh, Shorefront. Uh, the only thing is, I think the last time that I was down there, and I mentioned it maybe on the podcast, maybe I didn't, maybe I just got mad and wrote something on Strava, but uh, somebody or some people, multiple people probably, uh, they just tossed trash bags out. And so I was looking at, you know, 40 gallon trash bags just full of stuff about every maybe 20 feet somebody had tossed them out on the side of the road I mean this went on for a mile or two and then there was just miscellaneous uh it looked like demolition waste and so maybe it was some contractor or something or handyman handy person whatever that uh just dumped all the the um, refuse from their job out on the side of the road so that kind of pissed me off a little bit don't do that um yeah and so that kind of ruined that i need to join um 808 cleanups i've got i downloaded the app if you hadn't heard of um 808 cleanups it's an app that somebody has been nice enough to create and it helps to organize um cleanup events and so groups will um organize and go out and my dog is having a he's coughing a little bit he's an old guy if you can hear that in the background, but, uh, but yeah, so 808 cleanups, they organize clean events. And I, I think that it's available on all the islands. I know I've seen pictures of, um, on Strava where people have gone out. Um, you don't have to be a runner or anything to, to do this, but, uh, people have gone out and picked up stuff on Oahu. And I know that 
there's definitely events that people are creating on uh, Big Island, but I need to put together some of those and um, go out and pick up some of that trash on my stomping grounds. But um, I, I've done that in the past with my son. We went out one time. This was down on uh, near uh, Hawaiian beaches. We picked up probably, I don't know, like maybe 10 40-gallon trash bags full of just uh, miscellaneous garbage down along um, Beach Road down there. And came back, I think, like a day or two later, and it was just already the places where we had picked up and dug out, you know, trash. It was already filled back up in the span of two days. Uh, It's just a high-traffic area, and people just don't... Some people just don't care. They just throw crap everywhere. Which, um, yeah. That's all I'll say about that. But uh, I'm done complaining. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to make this into a complain fest. But it is kind of sad that, you know, the current state of everything. And I hope that um, we'll be able to to move on past this phase and get some some sense of normal normalcy. Um, and just one more thing, I, one more thing and I'll stop complaining, but, uh, I'll get to some, some good, uh, or some useful, uh, advice, but can we quit already with the Christmas advertisements? I mean, who are the ad geniuses that think this is a great idea? Um, I don't think, now is the time to be, you know, kind of throwing out all these advertisements, you know, buy this, buy that, whatever. Like, it's been a rough year. I think that a lot of people are just focused on getting through uh, the rest of this year and hopefully moving past all of this and getting back on track and getting their lives back together and so I don't know man like all this consumerism and uh yeah I just I think it's personally I think it's inappropriate like all the the advertisements that are going on like holiday stuff I wish they would calm down have you know more advertisements for like world peace or, (laughs) or something like that um because I don't think people need to feel worse about things that they can't purchase or uh, experiences that they can't, they're not able to provide their family with uh, this year. Just saying, that, just my opinion. It, I don't assume correctness, so I, I'm probably totally wrong. Maybe it's just me. But yeah, so I promise that's the last thing that I'm going to do um, color commentary on for the night. Um, advice. Like I said, somebody uh, contacted me and needed some advice on more or less how to get started um, with running. And they were kind of hinting at what is the schedule that they should use. Um, in other words, so should hypothetically should they start off with like a mile and then in a week move up to two miles and then in another week move up to 
three miles or, you know, something like that. Like what's the pattern? What's kind of the, the ultimate configuration for a uh, running schedule? And so I had to speak just from my experience. Um, also, like I was saying before, there was a pre-existing uh, conditions. And so this person had problems um, that were, I would say, moderate. Maybe not major, definitely not uh, minor. We'll say moderate. Moderate issues. So there's some potential for severely um, injuring themselves with overexertion. And so they asked me, uh, because they're playing another sport, I'm not going to say what sport it is, not because I'm embarrassed to say, but because uh, I don't want to identify this person straight out, just in case. I don't think that many people listen to this podcast, um, and I don't think anybody's going to identify them, but, you know, just to keep everything confidential. Um, So they actually play another sport, and they're doing the, the running beforehand to kind of warm up for that sport to sort of prevent injury um, and just kind of get their muscles warmed up. So this isn't a person that's setting out to do like, uh, you know, some kind of a running goal, like a half marathon or marathon or ultra marathon or even a 5K that's really not the goal for this person. It's just to sort of get warmed up and um, a, maybe a little bit of uh, cross training, kind of just build their physical attributes up to where they don't have pain or um, they don't get injured when they're playing their other sport. And so uh, I said all that to to set it up so I could say this. Um, the advice that I gave them, again, this is totally coming from uh, personal experience. So always consult a doctor or um, sports medicine or uh, physical therapist. But um, what I told them is not shocking. It may have been slightly disappointing, but it's kind of the standard uh, boilerplate answer that you will get from um, people. And it's that it's really subjective and you kind of have to walk a fine line between being a total wuss, right? And then getting over a little bit of pain and pressing through, right? And so that's a really fine line because there's times where you're, you just don't want to do stuff. And so psychologically your, your mind will make it seem like you're hurting way worse than you are or that continuing to, to run will um, push you beyond repair you know it'll it'll push you to the brink of your uh, physical abilities and you know cause you to start breaking down which sometimes is true but sometimes is not and so it's a little bit of finesse and it's knowing your your body enough to know 
like when you're about to do catastrophic catastrophic damage and when you're just kind of being a wuss because you don't want to do any running, you know, that day. And that that's the truth, you know. That's, that's my story, um, and I'll stick to that. Uh, to expound on that a little bit more, there's things that you can do to prevent injury and to kind of make easing into that um, transition uh, of, you know, starting a running routine to, to make that easier and to also avoid pain, um, un, undue pain and suffering or, or unnecessary pain and suffering. And so I have said a lot of this before on the, the podcast, um, but I'll just, it bears repeating. So number one, um, with your, I'll just start from your feet. So with your feet, uh, I am not, I, I no longer give suggestions for footwear. I think that you could probably do fine without shoes at all. Um, I know that sounds crazy. And again, results may vary and you probably wouldn't want to run barefoot across a bunch of uh, sharp basalt, you know, lava rock um, or a, a park that's got hypodermic needles and broken glass everywhere, right? So it's all um, completely dependent on the environment in which you intend to to do your activity but like if you've got a huge field that's full of soft grass and there's uh reasonable uh affirmation that there's no hypodermic needles or broken glass or um you know nails stuck in two by fours like anywhere in that field you may be able to get by running just on your bare feet right so the point i'm making is not to not wear shoes it's that you should not start off by getting hung up on what footwear you're actually um wearing asterisks next to that i think if you are going to worry about footwear um i swear by ultra and i like to get ultras with as little uh, cushioning as I possibly can. The King uh, MT, or I, I call them King Mountain because they've got mountains all over them. And uh, I think MT is the abbreviation for mountain, but I've heard them called King MT, so I'm not really sure what's correct. They make these shoes for um, the King MTs or King Mountains or whatever, they're, they're made specifically for like adventure races. So like the Spartan, uh, sprint or, or whatever, um, Spartan events in general, but they're low, they've got a low amount of cushioning and, um, they've got Vibram outsoles. And so they, they have, um, superb traction on slippery surfaces. And so that's why I like them. And also I used to have these shoes as a kid. I think they were called Kangas or Kangles or something, but they, 
they had Velcro straps instead of shoelaces. And then on the side, or maybe they were called ruse. I think they were called ruse. And then on the side, they had little zipper pockets and you could put like a penny in it or whatever. But the King MTs, King Mountains, whatever, they have also a Velcro strap, but it's there. It's designed to help you um, tighten up the shoe or loosen it um, without having to untie or tie it it's got laces too but yeah just on the fly um that's not why i like it i don't really care about the functionality i just like it because it does have one single velcro strap and i just think that that's gangster so those are shoes that that i like to wear um because they're not heavy and I don't really ascribe to the thought that you need a whole bunch of cushioning. Um, again, I also don't assume correctness and I could be, um, giving you horrible advice. So just, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt and do some, some research to see what works for you best. But my recommendation is, um, those zero drop low cushion, tough outsoles run on um grass or some kind of loose like aggregate um and you'll be good to go so as far as feet um physically i think that covers those bases so shoes you don't need necessarily any kind of uh doctored up shoes where they're compensating for over pronation or under pronation. I used to believe in that stuff. I don't so much anymore. I'm kind of a pronation denier. I think that you can overcome most um, deficiencies in your pronation by just um, not wearing those corrective type shoes and then striking with your forefoot instead of your heel um this may not be true again i i feel like i have to put disclaimers before everything i say but um a major shoe manufacturer i won't say who because this could be conjecture but uh and it could be um baseless but my understanding is a major shoe manufacturer uh, came up with cushioned heels right for their running shoes and so they also perpetuated the myth that you should land on your heels and that was the best running form right and so you put it together they've got the super cushion heels in their shoes and they're perpetuating a myth that you should land on your heels and no other shoe at the time is making these super cushion heels with a proprietary um, mechanism we'll say for um, for cushioning and so that spread around and so conventional wisdom became that you should strike with your heel but think about it in terms of uh, the physics You've got a heel, right? Which is a lot like the palm of your hand, sort of, kind of. Not really, but just go with it. And then you've got your toes, right? Your tarsals and metatarsals. 
all those bones that are kind of um, segmented. You know, you got a lot of little pieces like in your forefoot. In your heel, it's kind of um, it's kind of the bone ends, the calcaneus, and then in the forefoot, it's a lot of little bones. So there's a lot of there's a lot of give in the forefoot. There's not a lot of give in your heel. Okay. The other thing about your heel is that you've got these bone ends, right? And those go into your um, fibula and, and tibula. Hopefully I'm getting that right. It's not fibula and tibia. I think it's fibula and tibia. But anyways, so you've got these long, uh, rigid bones, right, in your lower leg. And then you've got your femur in your upper leg, long, rigid bones. And so if you're striking with your heel, you're moving shockwaves directly from your heel up through those uh, solid, you know, dense bones. And they're taking the brunt of that force, which is, I think, like three times, three or four times your body weight. So if you weigh, if you're like me and you weigh 200 pounds, then every time you're striking with your foot, you're putting like 800 to 1,000 pounds of force on your leg. Think about that, striking with your heel. If you're striking with your forefoot, I don't really know what the the math is on that. Maybe it's the same. Maybe you're putting the same 800 to 1,000 pounds if you, if, or four times your body weight or three times your body weight or whatever. Maybe it's the same. But what you're doing with your forefoot striking um, is you're dissipating the shock. So you've got your toes can move outwards. Um, your foot can wobble around. It's more, it's padded and soft and um, shock waves can dissipate before they hit your heel and travel up your leg. And so when I started striking with my forefoot and when I started um, wearing shoes that were less restrictive on that forefoot and allowed more what we call toes play, where the, the toes can spread out wide and that midfoot's not compressed and binded inside of a, a, a shoe upper, you're able to balance better. Um, and so your, your stride is not as awkward and you're not trying to, to balance on that heel and you're also not sending um, those shock waves directly up your heel into your leg every time and basically you're sending them right into your knee right because that's the that's the first um kind of gap or disruption in in the solid mass um and so if you're sending those waves like directly into your knee every time then guess what you probably will have knee problems i mean i'm i'm guessing uh but so for me personally, when I started striking with my forefoot, I had less um, knee pain. And the, okay, and so we've talked, I think mostly all we can talk about feet. I said I was going to move up the, the leg. Um, so yeah, so footwear, just something that will allow toes play. Ultra, again, that's one of their... Um, that's probably in their mission statement is like, we will provide maximum toes play, right? 
I think they're, they've got the widest toe box um, or as wide of a toe box as any other piece of footwear that's out there. That's what they're known for. Um, and so as far as shoes, that's what I would look for. Something with toe play that doesn't try to correct some issue because if you're trying to correct an issue that you don't even have in the first place, you may be setting yourself up for even more knee pain and like awkward running and, and all that crap. Um, as far as like moving up your leg into your ankle, uh, from your foot to your ankle, I recommend running on uneven surfaces and not the road simply because there's no compaction that occurs when your foot is hitting the ground on the road. The only compaction that occurs is from the bottom of your foot upward. That road is not giving one bit. Um, and so that's one reason I don't recommend running on the road. Now I'm going to deviate from, from you intrinsically and go into the whole factor of automobiles. Automobiles are meant to be on the road. Runners, I, I'm sorry. If you're a habitual pedestrian or bike rider or a road runner or whatever, like uh, you don't belong on the road, period. And here's how you know, okay? I don't, again, I don't assume correctness, but uh, this seems pretty cut and dry to me. If a car hits you, right, the car wins. If a motorcycle hits you, the motorcycle wins. If a truck hits you, the truck wins. If a transfer truck hits you, the transfer truck wins. If you fall off a bridge, the bridge wins. I mean, it's hands down, you're losing every time if there's some kind of collision on the road and you just never know what's going to happen. It could be a perfectly nice day and somebody falls asleep at the wheel. You could have a drunk person that's out and they swerve and like mash you into a guardrail. It's just not safe. Plus, besides all that, it's really not good for your joints and it's really not good. Yeah, I don't know. There is no and it's really not good. It's just, it's not good for your your joints. And I think long term, I wouldn't recommend running on the road just for those reasons, safety and then the wear and tear on your body. So besides the safety issue, I think that running on like an aggregate or running on some other like softer um, like grass or dirt or whatever, you've got at least some compaction that occurs. And so you're taking a little bit of that shock out of each strike and I think compounded over um, the course of, you know, like a five mile, 10 mile, 20, 30, whatever, um, long distance run, that's going to, um, the effect of that is going to increase exponentially, like the benefit of that um, reduction in um, shock to your body. And so the other part of it, besides the not shocking your body as much is that you are getting 
uh, a little bit off balance, I guess, with every stride. And so your ankle, whether you realize it or not, is moving um, from side to side from, you know, um, the top of your foot is going down, up, if that makes any sense. Like you're flexing, you're articulating the uh, your ankle joint. And so the, the little uh, ligaments and tendons, they're getting kind of micro torn and then they'll build back up. And so you, that's a gradual process of tearing those down, little micro tears, and then building them back up every time. Now, I'm not talking about like rolling your ankle, you know, every time you're running or, you know, going hard up a hill when you haven't run in like three months. Don't do that. Um, that would be stupid. Like the goal is not to to have a catastrophic failure of your ligaments and and or tendons or pull a muscle or exacerbate like a pre-existing injury. The goal is over time to just have little micro tears that can, you know, form little scar tissue, build back up even stronger. And so over time you become more and more uh, accustomed and more prepared uh, to run on uneven terrain. So it's kind of like a, a perpetuating um, goodness, right? I think that only good will, will come out of that um, as long as you don't, you know, step in a hole and um, break your leg. So watch out for holes. Um, but yeah, so that's the ankle and it'll probably get hard to hear me because it's starting to, to rain right now. And so we've covered the foot, you know, we've gone into the ankle. I've given my two cents on uh, road running and why I don't, I don't like it. Um, I'm actually a little bit of a hypocrite because yesterday and many days before that, there's a part of Bayfront that I run that actually goes alongside the road. Um, but it's farther enough out and it's actually on um, gravel that there's not an inherent like proximal danger from vehicles. Uh, but at a certain point, the road narrows or the median narrows and then you're going across a bridge. And so that part is kind of dicey. And then the other side of the bridge is really dicey. And so, yes, I'm a hypocrite. And if you see me out there, then you know, and every time I do that route, I always think about how unsafe it is because I've seen a lot of, uh, careless driving, like just when I'm in my truck, uh, just observing other drivers, just careless. Nobody's really paying attention to, uh, pedestrians. And so you, you would hope that they are, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people are, um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to turn into Milton from Office Space on the subject of road running, but it's something that I feel strongly about. And there's, I mean, you can look up the statistics. I'm sure the um, National, uh, what is it, National Highway Transportation, whatever, government agency, they probably have stats on pedestrian um, deaths all that stuff. If you want to be macabre, look that up. But uh, I digress. So the foot, the ankle, um, the leg, as far as like the lower leg, the calves. Um, 
I don't really know much that you could do for your calf. One thing that you could do that I can think of is um, if you've ever heard of the stick, it's a little kind of device that you can use to roll um, your muscles. And I guess the goal is to um, sort of align the muscle fibers. And you can do this prior to activity and also post. But uh, supposedly this stick is supposed to line up the muscle fibers and massage things out. So that's one thing that you might try if you're having issues in that area. I have not historically had issues with my calves. I've had gargantuan calves since I was a teenager, I guess, or a preteen, middle schooler. I used to have a bike. This was back before, I guess, like video games were as in vogue as they are now and uh, TikTok and all. Yes, I'm an old man. uh, And so I'm going to reminisce about the old man uh, childhood days. But, But back before we had all these things that these young whippersnappers had today, uh, we used to have bicycles, and so if you wanted to go somewhere and before you had a, a car, uh, you would um, ride your bike. And so I used to ride my bike, you know, like 10 miles, 20 miles to go see uh, friends in like a distant neighborhood. And I would all the time be running or riding my bike, you know, up and down hills and whatever. So my my calves got swole. And then part of it, too, was hereditary. Um but I've never had an issue with like muscle mass in my calves. And so I'm just, I'll say there's other things that you can do for, for your lower legs too. Um, cause there's plenty of things that could go wrong. Um, but like a little bit of uh, yoga posing, um, there's a couple of poses that I like to do. I'm not like a yoga fanatic, but um, I'll try to describe these to the best of my ability. I don't know the actual names of the uh, poses, but this kind of covers like whole body and there's two poses and that's why I do them because you kind of get your whole body in pain and stretching out in two foul swoops. So the first one, all you, all you need is your yoga mat. You probably will need like a thick one unless you want to bust your knees up. But um, you get down on your knees. The tops of your feet should be flat against the ground, right? And so your sole of your feet are pointing up at the sky. So you're on your knees. You're kneeling with your tops of your feet flat against the ground. So in other words, like your leg is just going straight. Uh, and your toes are pointing away from your body, like out into wherever, to space. Uh, and then you will crunch down right into like kind of a ball. So the back of your upper leg should be touching your calves. You're mashing it together. Uh, knees can can be like kind of proximal. They don't have to be touching, but pretty close to each other. And you just crunch down into a ball and then you're going to stretch your arms out uh, kind of like hands touching in front of you flat on the mat fingers pointed away from you and then you're just going to stretch as far as you can stretch and so you're scrunching a ball but you're stretching your arms out um, 
and it's just kind of mashing down your your legs and stretching those muscles or, or ligaments tendons and all and then pushing uh, out kind of stretching your your back on the top side and so from there you're going to stay in the same position from your waist down but you're going to come up and then you're going to bring your arms behind you and now you're going to point your hands you're going to point your fingers the same direction that your toes are pointing straight back behind you and your palms are going to go on the ground and you're just going to lean back into that and it's going to be so uncomfortable but you do that for about 20 seconds and then you switch back to the original pose do that 20 seconds back to having your hands behind your back right for 20 seconds and so on and so forth you do that a couple times and and you will stretch out um, even those lower leg muscles um, and so that's kind of blanket that's a whole body stretch um, and so from there I don't really know much else that you could do for your calf um, if you're having issues there um, but the stick and those yoga poses right and then um, just running itself, just the um, d daily um, activity. I, I'm getting I'm getting old and forgetful. Like I can't remember s simple words. Repetition is what I was trying to think. Just doing this the activity every day um, that will be extremely helpful. And so moving into the knees, I don't think there's anything really that you can do yourself for your knees that is going to help so in other words like pushing on things and and like pressing in and like using a trigger massager on your knee joint it's probably a horrible idea i don't think anatomically that there's anything in that joint that you're going to make better by vibrating it or pushing it or stretching it um you know, in that area acutely, just leave that alone. Um, those stretches where you're stretching out the muscles in your upper and lower leg, that's going to be probably the most beneficial for your knee. Um, you know, as far as like proactively things that you can do, um, those stretches that I just described, and then also strengthening uh, your upper legs equally on both sides. So if you're familiar with um, human anatomy, you know that you have uh, quadriceps in your upper leg. And so there's two on the front and two on the back, I believe. Um, and I know, I'm, I know, stupid, right? It's quadriceps. I, I know. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't think there's any more than four, but there could be. And so, like I said, I don't assume correctness. And I'm just, you know, I don't, I can Google it right now, but that's just going to take time. And I'm just going to do uh, more explaining than is really worth. But, but we'll just say that you have an opportunity to balance out the strength in both sides of your legs. So the, the left and the right side. And so, what will happen sometimes is one of those quads, right? Uh, one set of quads 
will become stronger than the other set of quads. So usually I think it is, well, I don't know. I won't say about usually. I don't know if there is a usually, but one side will become stronger than the other. And what happens is that stronger side or that tighter side will pull the um, patella or will pull the leg uh, to that side and it'll end up grinding the bone ends because you've got um, your femur that meets your um, tibula, fibula, maybe I, whatever the large the large bone is in your lower leg. You you get that um, stronger side that pulls your knee joint together on one side while the other side is weak and just kind of lets it be loosey goosey in there. And so you get that grinding and that kind of arthritis pain or ITBS, um, the banding syndrome where your, your ligaments are actually pulling the patella, um, and the bone ends together and like grinding them. And so strengthening your quadriceps equally, um, is one way to get past that. And one of the best ways to to strengthen your quadriceps equally is to use them every day. And so you don't have to do um, leg presses or or any kind of weight training. Uh, You don't have to do calisthenics on your legs. You can, you can do all that. And um, certainly it, it may help, but if you'll just run every day, um, you'll probably find that that's helpful and that's how I get over it. I actually have had, um, ITBS in both of my knees. And if I don't run for, you know, a week or two, it's reoccurring. It will come back. It's not, it doesn't start off super severe, but it can get severe. Like the longer that I'm sedentary or I'm not using, um, my leg muscles and one side is weakening down, um, that pain will get worse. And so I do activity every day because mentally it helps me, but then also physically, um, I feel better. Not, not just the, um, not just psychologically better, but like physically, like, my knees don't hurt as bad or maybe my back doesn't hurt as bad because I'm stretched out. I'm more limber. Um, if I'm sedentary for a period of time, I get, um, everything seems like it starts tightening back in, like my back will tighten back in my neck, my, my knees. Um, so I need to do activity every day to keep everything loose. And so as far as your knee goes, it's really not the knee that you, you should be um, hammering on or, or focusing on. It's all the muscles that are attached to it um, that you have to stretch and also make equally um, strong on both sides. And so with that, we've kind of moved from the knee into the upper leg. And so upper leg, you can also do the, um, the stick on the upper legs too. Um, so you could do those, the stick on the front quads and you can do it on the the side, um, as well. 
and then you can also do it on the back and you can look up the stick look at the instructions for how to use it and order it and whatever um, they're not a sponsor i don't have any sponsors but um, it's just something that i have and i have used um, in the past and still do use from time to time i don't swear by it it's not like a miracle uh, product but <clears throat> it seems like it has given me some relief um, when I've used it in the past. But the biggest thing is just that repetition, repeated activity on a daily basis that will help um, alleviate some of that knee pain that's caused by the shifting to one side from tightness or, um, you know, more strength on one side than the other. And so with quads, that's basically the only thing. Stretching and the therapeutic massage, a.k.a. the, the stick. Um, if you've got some kind of, you know, like if you've had a torn meniscus or you have a torn meniscus or um, your ACL or anything like that, um, there's not a lot of advice that I can give you, number one, because I've never had those injuries, and number two, um, because I'm not sure if there really is anything you, you can do aside from have surgery. I think that that's really the only the only option to get those kind of issues 100% fixed. Just because um, the uh, the amount of strain that those particular uh, pieces of anatomy are under. Really, they have to be pulled and sewn back together or stapled back together or whatever. And the the leg be immobilized for a period of time. So it's it's a process that I think you can only fix with uh, surgery. And as far as I know, they don't, th those things don't heal well themselves. And so um, asterisks and caution there, like don't try to improve your, uh, torn meniscus or ACL. Uh, if you got a torn ACL or a torn meniscus, you're probably um, in so much pain that you're not even listening to any advice that I would give. Um, <laughs> so I think, again, like I said, every problem contains its own solution. You probably um, glossed over um, anything that I would say about those two. But honestly, I don't think there's much you can you can do there if you got pre-existing injuries of those um, of that severity um talk to your doctor talk to your surgeon um as far as hips i don't know honestly i'm drawing a blank you you could do some google searching but if you've got issues again with um the socket joints i guess there's socket joints in your hip um more than likely, it's because of uh, some kind of arthritis or congenital deformity or um, some some kind of something. I don't know. I, I guess you can pull stuff in your hip. I think that's the thing that happens. Um, I know you can definitely break stuff. I've fallen... Um, on my butt a couple times and pretty sure I broke the, uh, the coccyx or at least bruised it, um, that little tip on the, the end of your sacrum. 
Um, so I know you can you can mess up stuff right down there, but I don't know how to fix any of it. Um, I would say just you know those stretches again to where you're loosening up the the body um, and not having everything kind of squeezed in. That would probably help. I don't think it would be a cure-all, but it's worth a try. Again, activity every day. Um, and you're going to have to skirt that line of overdoing it or uh, not being a wuss. And so that's totally subjective, and you'll have to figure out what's, what's right there. And again, consult a professional. Um, before you do anything. Um, core, I'm the worst person to ask about core. If you've ever seen me running around without a shirt on, then um, you know that I don't have any business talking about uh, core exercises or um, core strength or anything like that. So we're just going to move on past that um, into, I guess, like arms, shoulder, neck, type thing and you may be thinking why that's not how is that relevant to running it is relevant to running because you do use your upper body quite a bit um, when you're out running everything that your upper body can't do including um, core strength your lower body has to compensate for and so the biggest, uh, the biggest, I don't know what I was about to say there, but the, the best thing you can do to improve your performance over time and then also take stress off of your, um, your legs, number one is um, lose fat weight, right? Because fat weight is just dead weight. It does nothing. It's just a dead, you know, five or ten pounds, like just sitting um, in your midsection, right? It does nothing for you besides just sit there and add weight to your body. And so again, your body weight times three or four, and that's how much each strike, the force that it's having on your, your leg. So you reduce that, you reduce the amount of force that you're putting on your, your leg. Muscle weight is different because muscle weight is actually doing something. Yes, it's still heavy, but it's also a muscle somewhere that's probably helping um, in the the kinetics of whatever you're doing. And so it's better than fat by that summation um, because it's not a dead weight. So, yeah, lose as much fat as you can. And again, I'm a hypocrite. I should lose some fat. I could stand to lose easily five or 10 pounds, like just right now, um, just right out of my midsection because I do absolutely zero core exercises. And so while I can't speak on things to do for core, I can tell you that it is important and that will be super helpful um, especially on long, 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 long runs, like super ultra marathons. I don't think that's a, a thing that I've ever done. I've just done an ultra marathon, but there are people that do super ultra ones. 
I would consider that to be like a 240 miler or 300 miler or, or something like that or more. I, there's people that have done more than that, I'm sure. But um, that could just goes into insanity. So I don't even know why I brought it up. Um, no matter what, your body's going to be screwed on one of those. But for longer activities, longer running, you'll probably find that if you do have a strong core, that takes a lot of stress off of your leg muscles um, just in articulating the upper body and keeping everything straight and, um, you know, like in a good posture and good running form. So your legs don't have to do that anymore. Your upper body can, can, um, facilitate that. So core strength is important. Um, you figure out how to do it. I don't, I don't really know, <laughs> but I will say that doing daily activity again, I'll, I'm broken record doing activity daily will keep that at bay. So you may not see like marked improvements um, because the tendency for most people is to still eat uh, the same amount of food or more um, when they start doing physical activity daily. And so sometimes the, the, um, the benefits of exercise are negated by the amount of calories that, are, um, that we intake afterwards. That's definitely part of my issue um, with midsection fat. But uh, but yeah, if you can move past that, even even better. Um, but so yeah, core is important. But then also your your arms too, because again, you have to hold those up and move those um, the whole time that you're in motion. And so the stronger they are and the more able they are to move on their own repeatedly for the duration of an activity, the less stress that puts on your lower body, right? And so everything's, you're kind of getting the picture, everything has a spillover um, effect on other parts of your body. And so um, the more you can do to strengthen your upper body, the better off your lower body is going to be. And then also maybe vice versa. Maybe that even works backwards. Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to ponder on that and do some research. But um, but yeah, so as far as like upper body, besides the strength, um, I do hang off of stuff. I've got, um, uh, what do you call it, like a... Um, it's a like a hangboard for rock climbing, and so I will hang off that, and that helps to kind of like stretch the stretch the back, but then also do pull ups and stuff on there, and so that will help with your arms, and also that'll get out some kinks in your back as well, because you're, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I would say you're pulling the um, the vertebrae apart a little bit, like hanging down instead of uh, standing up. So I find that helpful. And then I've got, um, outside I've got, it's not a hang board, but it's like hang grips. And so they're loose. They're, it's just two grips that are hanging on separate uh, ropes or separate ends of a rope. And so kind of like the, um, 
uh, what do you call it? Gymnastics loops, you know, sort of akin to that, but it's like hang little mini hang bars for each hand. So I'll do like pull-ups or stretch my back on those too sometimes. And of course the stick, like you can use that to um, straighten out those uh, muscle fibers or massage your back or whatever. Um, just be careful on the back. You don't ever want to massage, quote unquote, massage your spine or any of those bony prominences like in the back of your neck or down, uh, you know, the, the, um, what do you call it? Like the indention, like where your spine is all the way down your back. Yeah. You definitely don't want to be running stuff over the top of, of that. Cause you're going to know right away that that was a bad idea probably, but it's not, it's not good. That has really no benefit. Um, but like the, again, same thing with your knee, it's the muscles around it. Like all that tissue that's around it, like getting that straightened out and, and, um, kind of loose or, or whatever, um, stretched out will help, um, a little bit with maybe some, some joint pain or whatever that you're having in those areas. I don't know how, yeah, I guess this did start off uh, in an exercise on how to relieve pain, but, uh, but yeah, so the stick and then doing those stretches that I told you, the two yoga poses kind of like, um, crouched and pointing forward and then leaning back on your hands and kind of leaning backwards and you'll know if you're doing it right. Cause it will be like the most, um, uneasy kind of, it's not like overtly painful, but it's just, it's just a gross feeling uh, like an uneasy pain. Like I, I want to quit this as soon as possible, but I'm telling you, like if you'll do 20 second sets of that backwards and forwards, um, a couple times, you'll feel so much better when it's done. Um, and so, yeah, neck is really, I, I don't, neck holds your head up, right? And so you do always need to hold your head up when um, you're running. And so if you're running on uneven terrain, like a trail, um, you'll need to be looking down a lot. So get in the habit of looking with your eyes and not hanging your head um, down so much because you don't realize it, but your head weighs, I think like seven or eight pounds. And so that's a lot of weight and a lot of stress on your neck. If you're, if you've got it tilted forward, you know, for the duration of, you know, six or 10 or 20 or 30 or 50, whatever miles, and you've had your head hanging down, um, looking at the ground for, for that long, that many hours, um, that's going to affect your, your neck. You're going to have, um, at least a crick in your neck, um, if not worse. And so you need to be mindful of keeping that, that neck aligned and, um, having good posture when you're running. And so I think the, the best posture that you could probably, probably have would be where you're, you're almost a caricature of yourself with the, um, the chin like sort of mashed into your neck almost. Uh, I can't, I can't articulate it well. Um, but you just want to make sure that, that the neck, all the cervical 
spine vertebrae they they stay aligned and they're not hunched over you know and you're not you know stooped over looking at your feet use your eyeballs to to look down um or you can bend your head every now and then but don't keep it like point at the ground easier said than done but um but yeah so that's the biggest thing with upper body just stretching you can do some massage of the soft tissue and then your posture is going to make a big big difference and so with the strengthening too like i mentioned like core strength and your arm strength you're gonna probably have better posture because um, especially the core that's going to pull everything uh, it's going to center everything and get it um, sort of adequately um, proportioned and, and flexed out um, yeah and so again the more strength you can have on your upper body the better and it will actually affect the, the lower but I think I've said all I can say about like things that you can do, like simple things that you can actually um, get benefit from that I know of for for your body. Just keep it simple. Like don't don't try to correct major issues yourself. Right? If you need help with something, or if you've been in pain and you don't know how to make it stop then you should go to a pro because um, just like I was talking with this person that, that came to me um, yesterday, the, in the discussion it came up, you know, like how many people, including myself, have lived with some kind of pain just thinking like, ah, eh, it's just, you know, I'm just getting old or ah, eh, it's just part of, it's part of, um, it's part of life or whatever. But in actuality, like if I would talk to a physical therapist, there may be some easy thing that I could do um, to not have that that pain anymore. Like, believe it or not, there's actually experts that know what they're talking about and can can help you feel better. So I would say if you're able um, to just put your pride down and go see uh, a pro Go see a physical therapist or, you know, see a doctor, get a referral um, and see if maybe there is some help that you can get professionally. Um, it doesn't have to, it doesn't come in the form of um, opiates. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying, you know, there may be, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. There, um, <clears throat> I'm still hoarse. There may be some kind of um, exercise or stretching regimen that you can do that will make you feel better. But I think I've been going for a pretty long time now. Um, hopefully that was helpful to to some. Um, and if you do have any ideas, then uh, by all means, uh, give me a call or email me or try to get in contact with me on arenathought.com or you can find contact information on the thedynamicclint.com uh, as well. But I'm going to go ahead and end this because I've got a long day of working tomorrow. And yeah, 
looking forward to Turkey Day next weekend. So everybody take care. Maybe I'll get on here again and uh, do another podcast. Send me some thoughts and suggestions for topics. And if you want to do the podcast with me, then just let me know and we can do that too. But for now, I'm going to shut her down and, um, yep, I'll just say keep on trucking and, um, yeah, keep on running. Bye.